everyone, Terry Welbrock here, host of the Healing Place podcast. So I have a big favor to ask before we dive into today into today's inspirational, wow, very enlightening uh, conversation. So the Healing Place podcast is a contender in the 18th annual People's Choice Podcast Awards. Yay! And if you go to podcastawards.com, so P-O-D-C-A-S-T-A-W-A-R-D-S dot C-O-M, you can find the Healing Place podcast under the health category. Uh, That was the best choice for mental health. And the people's choice category. So those are the two areas where you can nominate If you love this show, please, please, please take just a few minutes to go vote for the Healing Place podcast in the 18th annual People's Choice Podcast Awards. All right. Now for today's beautiful, wonderful episode. Thank you. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I'm your host, Terry Welbrock. And to say I'm thrilled, I mean, I I always am like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited by these guests. But today I'm so excited to learn from this amazing guest. So Today I have David Essel with me, M-S-O-M. He's the number one best-selling author of 13 books, counselor, master life coach, international speaker, radio TV host, and minister whose mission is to positively affect 2 million people or more every day in every area of life, regardless of their current circumstances. So welcome, David. Terry, great to be with you. And I love the fact that we have more positivity coming from your brain out to the world, lifting people's spirits. Terry, as we all know, we need more of this. So thank you for 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 donating your time, you know, because you are. You're donating your time as a, a podcast host. So thank you for, you know, being wise enough at a time that we need messages that you're giving out so much. Thank you for taking your time to help this world heal. Oh, that hugged my heart, made me a little teary-eyed. Thank you so much. What a beautiful, beautiful hug to my heart. Um, And gosh, I said to you before I hit record, I'm just enamored with your work and the beautiful messages that that you're offering to the world. So can you talk to the audience a little bit about your mission and what it is you're hoping to accomplish? Yeah, well, you know, you mentioned a little bit in the bio, you know, the goal is to lift 2 million people a day and we do it a thousand different ways. Like right now, this is part of the 2 million, you know, and then we have, of course, posts all over on social media, Um, you know, as a speaker and a podcast host myself, we reach, you know, so many people with with those avenues. Um, We're interviewed all the time during the week. So, you know, we have a chance to reach people and we really want to, especially during these times. You know, we wrote one of our, our latest best number one best-selling books is called Helping Americans Heal, the ultimate guide to healing during these challenging times. And, you know, we wrote that book and, and because we offer about 90 to 95 different writings. So if you're struggling with stress or anxiety or PTSD, a lot of people don't even know what PTSD is, Terry. You know, they, they think it's only for the military. And I give an example in the book of one of my clients that had nothing to do with military, but she was full-blown PTSD. Uh, in the book, we talk about relationship challenges, health challenges, um, grief. You know, the world is grieving. It's not just, you know, like I lost uh, my mom and dad in the last uh, about two years. Um, and it was hellacious. The way they both died was just so prolonged and so painful. 
and it was terrible. And so, you know, I had to go through a, an intense grieving process, just like millions of other people that have lost their parents during COVID or a brother, a sister, a, you know, e even a child. Um, you know, we've lost so many people during these times. So in the book, we talk about grieving and, you know, how important it is. And, you know, when, when someone loses a dog, you know, a lot of times we bypass these kind of things as, oh, it was just a dog, you know, but a dog is much more than just a dog. You and I know that, you know, anyone who's living in a higher level of human consciousness knows the power of animals, but especially dogs, they are, they are really something special to us. They bring us messages. They bring us comfort. They ask for nothing in return other than a bowl of food and some water. I swear to God, they're happy as hell, you know, to see us. And and so, you know, if you've lost a pet, and I'm not saying this facetiously, it may be a favorite goldfish that has lifted your spirits over months or years. You know, it could be a dog or a, a, a cat or whatever. But grieving is huge right now. And people need to slow down. And look in the mirror and see, you know, is part of my suffering in this world emotionally or physically because I'm not doing the grieving work, losing a house, losing a job, losing a position, losing half your, your income because, you know, you've been cut back within the company that you're working with. I mean, there's all different types of things to grieve. But what we say in the book and what we say in my one on one practice is, is that we need to take charge. You know, sitting back and watching the media is not taking charge. You know, we we have had a huge increase in addictions over the last four years. Things I've been in this business, Terry, for 43 years. I have never, ever seen the amount of individuals struggling with food addiction, um, sex and porn addiction, alcoholism. Uh, you know, our latest book, brand new book that came out is David Essel's Permanent Alcohol and Life Recovery Book, because we believe that recovery should be permanent and we believe that we're not teaching it the right way. So, you know, we have treatment center owners that are endorsing the book saying, oh, my gosh, we've been teaching this model that's 80 years old that doesn't work. We finally have a new system to follow. And then and, and as you and I talked off air, you know, we're giving away these books for free. Uh, at my website. So, you know, we have a huge, huge desire to help this world heal. I started out in the, the late 70s, early 80s in the world of sports psychology, health and fitness. And then and in 1990, I had a major crash that changed my life completely. I had a failed suicide attempt in 1990. And that was a turning point. Um, you know, I'm getting chills right now because I'm so blessed to be here. And but it also woke me up. You know, I had been hiding long term depression, anxiety, ADD, ADHD. I had been a bulldozer, Terry. I had all of these mental challenges as a counselor. I'm helping all these people heal. But I never slowed down enough to look in the mirror and say, you're hurting, David. You know, you're abusing alcohol. You're using it because you're hurting. You know, there's something underneath that you're self-medicating. We can self-medicate with news. We can self-medicate with, with television. We can self-medicate with social media, food, alcohol, nicotine, pot. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that we can self-medicate, right? So it was in 1990 that the whole world changed. My whole world changed. Um, when we came out of the failed suicide attempt, I was with a psychiatrist for almost a year, a uh, counselor multiple times a week for over a year. And, you know, it was during that time that I learned that I had all of these unknown conditions. And what the psychiatrist told me is that he said, this is from birth. 
you know, when he went back and looked at my childhood, I had a very difficult childhood with my parents. I had two great parents. I was the difficult one. <laughs> and, um, you know, and we didn't know back then, you know, this was when you would walk into your doctor's office as a kid and the doctor was smoking in his office. That's how long ago this was. If anyone who's with us remembers those days, right? Um, but they couldn't understand my up and down emotional states. They couldn't understand how outrageously sensitive I was. They couldn't understand why I took everything personally. They couldn't understand why I had to constantly voice my my hurt, my pain, you know, because I, I couldn't keep it inside. But back then, no one knew to test, you know, a five-year-old for depression or anxiety or ADD or ADHD. Those tests weren't even given to five and six and seven-year-olds back then. So what they said was it was my allergies. They said my allergies, I lived in Syracuse, New York, grew up, and there are allergies. There's a lots of different things that create allergies, right? But they blamed everything on an allergy. They never looked deeper. So even when I went through counseling and school and all that kind of stuff and graduated, I never could have imagined that I had these undiagnosed mental issues. And I'm on the cover of magazines, Terry, and my, you know, my career is blowing up. I'm traveling 40 weeks a year. I'm not going to take the time to slow down. I'm, you know, I'm on the, the, the success train. Who wants to slow down and take tests to see what's wrong? Why am I drinking so much? You know, why am I doing this so much? So I kind of bulldozed my way, but then 1990, everything changed. And after a year of recovering from that attempt, um, I started to switch to see that Every issue we have in this world begins in the world of mental health. You know, struggling in relationships begins in the world of mental health. We may have been damaged in childhood and we don't realize it. And so we come forward as a codependent or as an overly aggressive person, you know, someone who's always on edge, always angry. And, you know, we don't understand why. So we then started to say, well, if I as a counselor had no idea that my underlying mental issues were driving me to addiction and all these other kind of things. Just imagine the amount of people that think, you know, and I'm going to blow some people's minds right now, but you know, there's no addiction in the world that's created by your genetics. Alcoholism or any other addiction is not a disease. Cystic fibrosis is a disease. Muscular dystrophy is a disease. Alcoholism is a choice. And it's a real important point for me to make. And we describe it in our book in extremely deep detail. You know, what? listen, and here's the bottom line answer. Millions of people have recovered over the past hundreds of years without any medical intervention, genetic manipulation, drug surgery. So we know it's not genetically caused because if it was, no one could ever recover without some kind of medical intervention. But people recover every day with nothing else but a really strong program or someone like myself that's, you know, an addiction counselor coach or, you know, that's how we recover. And when we get to the bottom of it doesn't matter, food addiction, I mentioned all that nicotine pot, even though pot is legalized all over the country, it's very easy to get addicted to any of these substances. Now, I'm not anti-pot. I'm not anti-alcohol. But I am of the type of person that'll say, are you using it too much? Are you escaping reality to not deal with by, you know, getting high during the day because it's legal now or, you know, having more extra drinks at night? You know, what are we running from? What are we hiding from? 
So when you look at that, every addiction is caused by mental health issues at some level. Peer pressure is a mental health issue. So a lot of people will drink because their friends are drinking and they want to be cool. They want to be part of the group. That has nothing to do with genetics. You know, we look at all these different things. I mentioned, you know, the, the marital issues, relationship issues. God, the American Psychological Association six months ago came out with this incredible survey. 80% of marriages are at their worst state ever right now in the United States of America, according to this massive survey by the American Psychological Association. So we look at what causes most uh, relationship breakdowns. It's separate belief systems. It's not being upfront and honest from the beginning of what works for you and what doesn't work for you. It's habits and beliefs that we saw in childhood that we think are normal, that may be extremely abnormal in relationships, you know, like passive aggressiveness. If you grew up and mom or dad were passive aggressive and instead of, you know, talking openly about what bothers them or what hurts them, they say, oh, I'm fine. I, I just saw a meme on Facebook the other day is the biggest lie in the world is, quote, I'm fine, you know? And so, and that's a mental health issue. You know, codependency, the largest addiction in the world, destroys relationships on a daily basis. And so we look at all of this, you know, financial issues are mental health issues because when you're an overspender, right, then that means that you're submerging reality. If you spend more than you make or you spend exactly what you make, well, you're submerging reality, which is a mental health issue. You're justifying, rationalizing, defending, buying this special pair of jeans on Saks because it's the one month of the year that they have this incredible deal. When you have 30 jeans in your closet and you can't afford another pair, that's a mental health issue. You know, so so my I guess what some people could say is that my worst year of my life turned out to be one of the best years of my life. You know, and the other thing we jokingly say is it doesn't matter what kind of mental health issue you've ever had. I've had it too. Let's work together. <laughs> yes. You know? and so, it's so, you know, true. I want people, right, 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 right. Yeah. It's like, listen, I'm going to come out and be full blown honest. I'm not going to, you know, do it in a way of sensationalism to get people feeling sorry. For, don't feel sorry for me. Once I found those conditions, I've been working ever since then to find you know, what kind of over-the-counter supplements are as effective or more effective than antidepressants, anti-anxiety, et cetera? And there's a ton, Terry, there's a ton. I what take them. <laughs> good, and me too, and me too, right? Um, what type of tools, meditation, deep breathing, visualization, you know, what type of tools are available to help us to learn how to deal with ADD, ADHD? As a matter of fact, on my YouTube channel, I have a video on if you have ADD, Yes, you can meditate, and here's how. Then I have a separate video. If you have ADHD, yes, you can learn to meditate, and here's how. So we've created programs. People don't have to, you know, listen. I, when the, the very first time when I was diagnosed ADD and ADHD in 1990, they put me on this medication that drove me out of my freaking mind, okay? It, it sucked. And within a couple, uh, about 30 days, I was saying to the doctor, I got to get off. I feel like crap on this stuff. And he said, well, my biggest concern is, is he said, you know, a lot of your ADD and ADHD, you use substances in order to slow the brain down, in order for you to be able to deal with these two conditions. And we need you on some kind of medication. Well, instead of that, you know, I ended up finding like tryptophan, which is an amazing amino acid that relaxes the brain. And then meditation, 
which is a huge part of my day, day to day living. You know, I found that calms the brain. And then we found that, you know, if you have ADHD, moving meditation is awesome. And we describe it on our YouTube channel. You know, you can go very deep in a moving meditation. A chanting could be looked at as a moving meditation. Um, I wear malas, you know, which are prayer beads. Um, it's similar to the rosary in the Roman Catholic religion. And this just happens to be Buddhist and, and Hindu uh, practices. But, you know, if you if you do a meditation by beads, in other words, you're moving a bead and, and saying a mantra, that's a moving meditation. So someone with ADD or ADHD, oh, my God, this stuff is like golden. Right. And then we teach how to compartmentalize your day. If you have ADD or ADHD, how to break everything up into smaller segments. And by doing that, we're able to stay focused for shorter periods of time. Our brain doesn't go wacky and way in all a thousand different directions. When I'm working with people, I might say, depending on their level of ADD or ADHD, I might say, hey, we're going to break your day up into 20 minute segments. There's not one thing you're going to do more than 20 minutes or something similar to that, you know, so that they feel in control and they feel at that 15 minute mark, okay, I've got five minutes left and I can take a break. And it gives them that motivation to say, okay, I have this condition where my brain is nonstop, but there's tool to use to help naturally calm it down. Yes. Beautiful. Well, there's so much there that I could unpack, but I really love what you said about addiction and the one of the things that I wanted to just put a little exclamation point on what you said was so many people who've listened to this show and have been longtime fans knew the journey with my mom. My mom died March 14th, my birthday this year, uh, after a hospice stay. Um, she had fallen due to diving back into the bottle after four years of sobriety in her 80s. But my mom gave up drinking after. I stood at the foot of a hospital bed, tears streaming down my face and had said the words to her with my sister alongside me, mom, you are self-medicating. You are diving into this, this alcohol, into this vodka because you've never, ever, ever dealt with your childhood traumas. And it is time that you start facing that. And she opened up at 80 something years old and started just telling us these horrors that had happened to her as tears, or my mom was not a crier either, just crying her eyes out. And after that, she ended up seeing counselors and um, actually two counselors a week were coming into her little retirement village apartment. And it was at that point that she said, I looked at my my picture of the sacred heart of Jesus hanging on her wall. Yeah. She was very, very Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, and I said to him, a quote from the Bible and us Catholics can't quote the Bible, but it was something along the lines, you know, anything you ask of, you know, Jesus or God in my name, you know, it will be answered. And so she said, I just told him, I, I don't want to, I don't want to drink anymore. And then she did it for three and a half years, almost four years. Wow. Um, wow. And it wasn't until she got a liver cancer and cirrhosis diagnosis that she said, Oh, well now I, you know, now I can dive back in. And so she yeah. did and fell and she died. But the whole purpose being that it, it really does highlight that she was able to to just use her faith as a healing component of yeah. being able to stop for that long. And we never thought that she would be able yeah. to give up her alcohol. And, and you know what, Terry, that brings us on to a really important 
point, there's something called a bottom in addiction recovery. A bottom is when someone reaches a certain point where that they say, okay, enough already, just like your mom did. You know, she started talking about her trauma and her wounds from childhood. Okay, that was her bottom. So she finally shared something she had never shared before, right? She had to go out on a limb and risk something. So that was a bottom for her. When you reach a bottom is when you change. Now, here's the fascinating thing about a bottom. You don't have to have medical problems to reach a bottom. You don't have to have a DUI to reach a bottom. You don't have to have three divorces to reach a bottom. There are people at 16 years of age after their first hangover that that is their bottom. They go, okay, this is stupid. I'm drinking this stuff that's poison, obviously, because I have a raging headache. I've been throwing up all morning. I'm done. That's my bottom. And that is a bottom. Other people, it may take a DUI. It may take their kids being taken away. Um, but even that doesn't mean that they'll change. You know, I worked with a, a woman years ago um, who had multiple addictions and she did have her children taken away. And she had two children. The state took them away, uh, said that she would never give them back. And for the first six months when she lost her kids, she just dove heavier and heavier into her addictions, right? Like she was covering up that immense pain of never seeing her children again. Then her family brought her into my, into my life and we spent two years working together. And on the fourth year, she got her children back, you know? So, but the bottom originally of losing her children wasn't enough, Terry. See, this is where people get confused. And we have the old models. As a matter of fact, I'll just show briefly. This is our new book we're giving away for free on the website, David Essel's Permanent Alcohol and Life Recovery. Two killer words here, permanent and life. We don't believe in one day at a time. We don't believe people can get sober one day at a time. Of course, you have to not drink one day at a time. But where's the commitment in saying, I'm not going to drink one day at a time? I can tell you the commitment is 24 hours, which means it's zero. And and the the analogy I always give that I, I wrote in the book is this. You find the, the, the lover of your life. And let's say we'll just uh, gener generically say that it's a guy he found his, his soulmate, if you want to call it a most best friend, best partner. He gets down on his knees and he says, honey, we've been together for a period of time and I just only want to be with you for the rest of your life. Will you marry me? And she freaks out, Terry. Oh, my God. Jumps up and down, does a Greek dance, does whatever she does, you know. And then all of a sudden at the end, she says, yes, 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 yes. And. He goes, oh, I'm so relieved. He said, but but there's only one thing. I'm going to commit to you one day at a time. I'll marry you one day at a time. And then we'll remarry tomorrow. And then we'll remarry the next day. Terry, how excited would that woman be? Not very. <laughs> how much of a commitment is that, Terry? <laughs> how much of a commitment is that? Right. Right? So... You know, we bought into this stuff that I'm not a fan of. It's the 12-step programs. I think that there's some benefit. And for people that are watching this, listen, it's 2023. I'm speaking honestly. That program has never been updated in 80 years. Okay? I don't care if you're talking about Al-Anon, AA, Nicotine Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Food Addicts Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous. There's a million. Sex Addicts Anonymous, for God's sake. You know, they're, they're, they're teaching, they're doing their best. Okay. And if you're one of the 10% of people that goes to 12 step meetings and you don't cross a dick and you never relapse, don't change a damn thing. Keep going to your meetings, but it only has a 10% success rate. So what about the 90% that are failing? And what does it mean to be successful? 
when you enter a, a room or a, a session with me, the goal of success of sobriety is to have no consumption or no behavior. Gambling is a behavioral addiction. So no, uh, no, no, no substance addictions, no gam uh, behavioral addictions, no thought addictions, nothing at all for 365 days in a row. Okay, that's the beginning of sobriety. When you hit 365, now you go into recovery. In the 12-step programs, unfortunately, they have a 90% failure rate, which means only 10% of people who enter a room today will be completely clean and sober for the next 365 days. But the reason for that is because they're using models of practice that have been outdated for 80 years. Like if, if you go into a room the way they still teach you today, I listen, and I went to 120 straight, straight meetings years ago when I got clean because I promised my treatment center counselor I would. And, you know, as a counselor, I walked in going, why am I going to say, hi, I'm Dave and I'm an alcoholic when I haven't drank in 60, 90 or 120 days? Like what, what, what am I telling myself? And then when you think about it, you've got people in these rooms that have been in the rooms for 20 years saying, hi, I'm Dave and I'm an alcoholic. What does that tell the brain? We have to wake up. We're telling ourselves that we're still an alcoholic and we haven't drank in 20 years. What sense does that make? That doesn't lift spirits. That doesn't lift moods. You're saying you're an alcoholic, for God's sake. You know, so what we say is, let's get real. After you hit 365, I will never say I'm David Essel. I'm an ex-alcoholic. I'm a former addict. I'm, a for I'm just David Essel. Why carry a label from the past, Terry? You know, so these are the messages we give in the book. We've reached out to the 12-step organization. We said, hey, I'm one of a thousand people doing this updated work with 2023 science information, trauma information, Dr. Gabor Matei, one of the most brilliant researchers in the world of addiction recovery. Oh my God, I love that man. I agree with him a thousand percent that all addictions are based on trauma and wounds that have never been touched or healed. You know, so we have people like Dr. Gabor Matei, myself, who could help the 12-step organization bring their data up to 2023, not 1930. And then the other thing is we really believe that all sponsors in 12-step programs should be certified at the very least as an addiction recovery coach, at the very least, because they're all they're doing is regurgitating what their sponsor told them, what their sponsor, and it's all 80 years old, you know? Now, it sounds like I'm coming down really hard on 12 steps, and in a way I am. I want people to heal. We have all the information in the world to help them heal without it being 80 years old. And the one thing that we ask in the book, and I ask Terry to you and, and to everyone with us today, you know, what organization or business is functioning at a high level of success by utilizing the exact tools of marketing that they used 80 years ago? There was no computers 80 years ago. So let's take a, an auto dealer. How successful could they be in 2023 if they had file cabinets and folders and they had no access to computer. And someone comes in and says, I want that car, but I want it with a gray exterior and, and, a, and a brown interior. And I want big wheels on it. And the guy goes, OK, let me call around to other dealers and see who might have. Hell no, they go on the computer and in 30 seconds, they go, it's in Dallas, Texas. It can be delivered in four days. Right. Right. So, you know, and that's what we want 12 step to do. We're not saying eradicate it. 
We're saying, hey, it could be a phenomenal program. It's for free, for God's sake, right? It could be phenomenal if they bring it up to what we're talking about in our new book, which I want to mention again, you can get for free at the website, you know? So um, one other thought on your mom. Prayer is powerful. Oh, yes. <laughs> and especially when you apply prayer with honesty. You know, yeah. you go to your higher power, whoever that is, and you, you say, I've screwed up for 40 years. Use honesty. You know, I've screwed up and I need some help. Could you guide me, please? Could you guide me to sobriety? Could you please show me? Could you open the doorway? I'll walk through it. I'll do any. I'm getting chills right now, Terry. I, I'll walk through that door. My higher power, God, Jesus, Buddha, whoever it is, you know, I don't, I don't care who you use, um, you know, but I'll do the work. Could you open the door? And you pray that every day with intensity and you write it out, you know, dear higher power, dear whoever, you know, I am ready. I am hurting. I have so much pain inside that I'm covering up with alcohol, food, pot, nicotine, gambling, whatever. I, and so this is the honesty, Terry, that I'm talking about. Like, and I love when people write their prayers to their higher power. It's more real. You know, it's now it's right here, baby. It's right in front of me. And we're saying, I know I'm suffering. I know I've made poor choices. Addiction is a choice. I have wanted to escape my reality, my depression, my childhood pain, my current, whatever it is. And I'm using the substances. Please, could you open a door? Could you introduce me to someone? Could you give me... And all of a sudden, if you write that prayer on a daily basis and you really feel it, you're going to see something come out of the blue. You know how like on your phone, you're talking to your friend about, you know, a certain kind of a plant and all of a sudden you open your computer and there's a picture of that plant on sale. You know, and you go, how the hell did that happen? Well, that's how your higher power works. Yeah, it will surprise you with, hey, why don't you do this? Here's a book. I never read a book on recovery and your higher power is going, that's why I put it in front of you. You know, it's like, or a person, or even maybe a meeting. You know, listen, one of the greatest, I believe, benefits of 12-step meetings is you're walking in and you're saying, I admit I have a problem in front of a group of people that don't know you. That takes vulnerability. That takes, that's the part of the 12-step program I freaking love. You know, you're open, you're vulnerable, you're honest. And I, when I went into my first 12-step meeting a very long time ago, I was anxious as can be, Terry. I was so nervous I was going to run into someone I knew. And the funny thing is, if I ran into someone I knew, and I did, of course, it's going to happen, right? It's like, I go, oh, my God, I want to hide. And then when we, I walked out, he was waiting in the parking lot for me, and he his arms open, he goes, brother, is this your first meeting? I go, yeah, I just got out of a treatment center and this is my first meeting. He goes, oh, give me a hug. And I go, oh my God. And here I was going to run away from you. <laughs> I was embarrassed that, that I saw you in there. He goes, I'm in there because I had a problem. Welcome. And that part of it, Terry, I think is beautiful. That part of 12 step, I think is just amazing, but there's so much more we can do. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, Addictions are so out of control. In our new book, we have a guy, Dr. James Burton, who's one of the top liver transplant experts in the United States of America, who made this quote on one of the major news channels that alcoholism is the biggest problem in America today. And then he backed it up with this. 
in one week, he said, I got 24 liver transplant requests. And it's not from people living underneath bridges. It's not the homeless. It's high functioning alcoholics. Yeah. On the average, I'll get two to four requests a week. And I just got 24. That tells you that this alcohol is killing this country. It's killing families. It's killing individuals. It's limiting the growth of corporations. I mean, there's just nothing good about alcohol when you take it past the level of being a social drinker. And really quickly, let me go through what that means because people have no idea what a social drinker means, okay? So a social drinker means a woman has one drink a day and that's all. The most that a woman can have to be a social drinker is one, one drink a day. The most a guy can have is two drinks and that's because of body size, muscle mass, metabolism, et cetera, right? But this is where it gets interesting. So with wine, one glass of four ounces of wine is a drink. The average pour is six to eight ounces. So every time you go to a bar, there's a good chance you're getting two drinks with every one. If we go to liquor, a shot, one ounce of vodka, rum, whatever it is, is a drink. You go to a bar, you're never getting an ounce. You're usually getting two. So now you've had two drinks in your one. And then we go to beer, social drinker. It's one 12 ounce bottle can of beer for a woman, two for a man. So we have guidelines from our own government on what's safe for the mind, body, spirit, what's safe in regards to driving. You know, some a woman that has a drink over the course of an hour, hour and a half and gets in her car and drives is going to be fine. The average woman, you know, but when you put that up to two drinks, the odds decrease dramatically that she's going to be fine driving. So the government has done all these studies. And whether you're a fan of the government, I could care less. I think these stats are awesome. It gives us a guideline. And this is how when I work with people, they go, well, I'm just a social drinker. And then we have them do tests and measure and everything. They come back in and go, oh, my Lord. Like, I had no idea that every drink was four drink, four, you know, four shots. I, I never paid attention. I just free pour. So, you know, we want to educate people. I'm not the alcohol police. I'm not the pot police. I'm none of that stuff. I'm more of a person saying, you know, in extreme moderation, there are other substances you can have. Like having an Oreo cookie once a night is fine. Having a sleeve is not fine, you know? So we, we want people to know that I'm not anti-fun or anti, you know, having, a, you know, a, a drink every once in a while or something like that. But we do know that it's gotten so out of control, which is why we really raced to put the book, which has been my recovery program that we've been teaching for 30 years. We finally put it in, in, in a book form to sell and to give away on my website. And then I mentioned something, Terry, that I think is crucial. I mentioned two words, permanent, which we talked about. You know, it's, you've, you know, and we don't ask people to come in that, that are ready to permanently recover. We say, just come in and start working they'll reach a point where you and I will talk about permanent recovery. But you don't have to worry about it right now. But the other word is life reco recovery. We are recovering our life when we let go of addictions. We're recovering the real us. We're recovering the real Terry, the real David, the real everyone. You know, we're learning how to deal with life when it's stressful without medicating. When, it, when it's stressful without playing eight hours of video games, when it's stressful, not scrolling social media for 12 hours a day. You know, we want you to have your life back. 
you know, our recovery program is actually fun because we work with people on getting new hobbies. We work with people on doing all kinds of stuff that is life related, you know, that is fun related. And I, I saw something the other day, one of the professional, I work in the world of professional athletes as well. And um, one of the, the eight athletes had put a, a quote on Instagram and said, I had no idea that I could be crazier and have more fun without alcohol and drugs than when I was on alcohol and drugs. And, and I just thought that was a perfect quote. You know, like when you're sober, you don't have to be this like, you know, in a box tight anal retentive type of person. You can be as loose and goose as you want, for gosh sake, you know. And the cool thing is you're not going to wake up feeling like crap. You're going to release shame and guilt. No matter what the addiction is, it's filled with shame and guilt. We hide half of our addictions, which is a sign of shame and guilt, right? If, you know, people came out and told everyone, honestly, how much they used, uh, whether it's, you know, masturbating to porn or alcohol or pot or whatever. I mean, no one comes out and even tells their partner, honestly, what they're doing for the most part, right? So that creates shame and guilt. When we get rid of the addiction, oh my God, we're free. And myself included, so many people go, I can't believe how much I thought about my addiction during the day. Do I have enough sugar at night? And do I need to get more beer? Do I, you know, do I have enough pot to get me through the next week? Do I, whatever it might be, you know, it, it, it's like we have to have this mindset that no matter how long we've struggled and how deep the struggle might be, anyone can recover. It's a beautiful knowledge to have that. You know, for 30 years, I was so wrapped up in addiction. I never thought I could recover. I never, ever believed it was possible for me, you know, but it was and it has been. You know, my dad, who died a year and a half ago, he never said this to me, Terry, but he told my younger brother this right up to his death. He would say, you know, of all the success your brother David has had with books and all the stuff he does, there's nothing I'm more proud of than his long-term sobriety. And he told my brother that regularly, but he never mentioned it to me, oh. Terry, for, for whatever reason. And it wasn't necessary because I heard it from my brother, right? I mean, it was beautiful to hear my brother say it, but that really touched me. You know, that we're so hung up in the material world, you know, of possessions and money and what all that kind of stuff that we forget that something like sobriety to maybe your partner or to your children or to your parents could radically change how they view you. It could radically change the relationship that you have with them. You know, I mean, there's some real beauty in the world of recovery and you don't have to be ready to recover. You know, we tell people, if you have a 10% desire, that's all you need, a 10% yeah. desire to heal. And then you follow someone's program and you will recover because it happened to me. You know, we have in the book, we've got this amazing story, Terry, and in, in the addiction recovery book, um, where there was a, a CEO I was working with that was very high, I'm a high functioning alcoholic, made quite a bit of money, very successful in his business with what he did, raging alcoholic. And, you know, a couple car accidents and a couple other things. Uh, but his biggest problem was the way he treated his wife and family. And when he would get drunk, he was just nasty as could be. And it was multiple days a week. So he came into the program. We got him completely clean and sober. And all of a sudden, from out of the blue, he walks in one day with his wife and a letter from his 17-year-old daughter 
The letter is printed in the book. It is the most touching letter when a young girl says, I never thought I would have a real dad. I had an alcoholic dad. It got me tearing up because I said the same thing to my mom in, our, in her 80s. Like I said, mom, you're my best friend. Like this beautiful blossoming mother-daughter relationship that turned into this friendship because I'd never seen her happier than when she finally, finally let go of that addiction. And wow, you got me. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that something? It's, it's really beautiful, you know? And, and so, you know, I, I know a lot of people get very anxious when they think about giving up something that they're addicted to. You know, uh, sugar is a very difficult thing to give up and it works very well. Sugar hits the same pleasure center as alcohol in the brain. So for people that, you know, want to numb their emotions at night, sugar does it perfectly well, just like alcohol does. So it's hard to want to give up. You know, when I went to the treatment center and they said, you know, what do you consider alcohol in your life? And within a heartbeat, I said, my very best friend. Because if I'm sad, it's there. If I'm happy, it's there. If I'm bored, it's there. You know, um, if I'm resentful, uh, if I'm guilty or I feel ashamed, I can cover it up in a heartbeat. You know, it's my best friend. And he looked at me and he said, mind blown. And I said, what do you mean? He said, people aren't usually that open and honest. He said, well, you know, I'm here. <laughs> I need help. And, uh, you know, and I got the help. And then the other thing that happened is that, you know, I, recommend that when people do when you are serious you know um find a center if you need to go to a center commit to it after you get out commit to working with a professional 30 days in a treatment center is not enough to get most of us sober we need more assistance you know and if it means going to a meeting learn how to go to meetings 12-step meetings effectively we actually we even teach in our course for people that still want to go to meetings we go great let us just teach you how to do it effectively so you're not buying into things that aren't accurate you know, um, but recovery is amazing. You know, it is so beautiful. There's not a thousand thoughts a day of when am I going to get this and how am I going to get away with that and all that kind of stuff fades. You know, you you end up having a completely different outlook on life, Terry. And for those of us that, you know, take recovery very seriously, we also take things like the media very seriously and we stay away from it, quite yeah. frankly. You know, um, because there's nothing but sensationalism. And, you know, I, I'm a part of the news. And yet I'm going to tell you, don't watch it. You know, I'm part of the media, but I'm going to tell you, be super careful what you listen to and what you watch. And that's why, you know, you should be telling your friends if you haven't already on a regular basis about Terry's podcast, because we need people watching Terry's podcast much more than the evening news. And what I always say to people, if there's something crucial, that you need to know, trust me, your neighbor, your friend, someone will tell you, you don't have to get it from the news, you know? But if you switched your time from the news to Terry, from the uh, the Bachelorette, for God's sake, which is just chaos and drama, all those reality shows are so insane, and, and they're all set up. I mean, people that don't know that, everyone knows who's gonna win at the end. Everyone, it's not a surprise. You know, I remember interviewing a guy that used to do, um, I forget what it was, but it was one of those shows where they opened up uh, storage centers and um, and it was storage wars, I think it was called. Right. And they go in and they, you know, they'd be pulling out these, you know, Christmas cards from 50 years ago. And then they'd find, you know, a 10 million dollar coin, blah, 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 freaking blah. It was all set up. 
the guy that, that was the host at the end just opened up. He was fired, <laughs> but he said, there's no surprises here. We all know what's going on. So stay away from that kind of reality nonsense. Focus on Terry. Focus on her past podcast. Focus on her, her, her next one so that you can be lifted up to higher levels of consciousness. The news is not going to lift you to higher levels of consciousness, but podcasts like this will. So, you know, like make a choice. Do I want to be a better person, a more connected person, a more joyful person? Do I want to have a better attitude? Do I want to have, well, then you come here to this podcast. If you want to stay stuck in the nonsense, chaos, and drama of the world, go watch the evening news. I don't think there's even a choice. Amen. And thank you. <laughs> because yes, I haven't watched the news in forever because it, well, one, it triggers my trauma. Like, I don't want to hear about people being shot and stabbed and and the horrors and children being abandoned and whatever. Oh, my gosh, it, it hurts my soul. I can't do it. And so, yes, I seek out the happy. I seek out the joyousness. And um, there's so much beauty in this world. I think COVID, if there's silver linings to be found in it, one of them is that it has brought up so many helpers so many people who want to shine a light who want to be uh just beautiful healers like yourself oh my gosh i told you be again before we hit record i just i'm enamored by your work and and just just the beauty of, of the light that you shine and so thank you thank you thank you oh tara you know i i love this and there isn't anything else in the world i'd rather do you know i feel very blessed and fortunate um, even with all the trials and tribulations and everything, you know, I mean, all of that's in the past. And um, and it doesn't mean I don't ever have challenges. I have my own counselor. You know, I mean, I, I don't take anything for granted. You know, that's one thing I encourage people to do is that if you're stuck right now, just start, start writing gratitude. Just start writing. You know, I, I have a mobile home to live in. You know, I have a car that gets me to work back and forth. Is it ideal? No, it doesn't have air conditioning. It doesn't have heat, but it gets me back. You know, there's a mindset shift. Now, I'm not being Pollyanna here. I'm not saying if all you do is think of gratitude thoughts, your life is going to change. But I will tell you, it'll get a little easier. You know, I will tell you if you focus on some pretty cool things, plants, nature, sunrise, sunset, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, it will shift your energy. As a matter of fact, you know, what's really cool in Japan, physicians write prescriptions for what's called forest brushing. Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of, of their uh, uh, nature baths. Is it the same thing? Well, I, I, I don't think so. I'll, I'll share what this is. So with forest brushing, what they, so funny, they write a prescription is that they'll write a prescription 45 minutes, three times a week. And people go into a forest where the trees are tighter together oh. and they, and they put their arms out and they get bathed by the leaves and the branches of the trees. And of course, it's heavy duty oxygen in a forest situation. I mean, there's a ton of oxygen being produced. So they're in a high oxygen environment. They're away from their electronics. They're touching nature. The, the reverberation in the cells of your body calm heart rate and blood pressure down. So it's so cool. You know, we've got these new modalities from all over the world coming out to help us get back in touch. You know, and I'm going to say something interesting to get back in touch of our ancestors, the Native Americans. They are my ancestors. They're the ones that have taught me so much about grieving and death and dying and a spiritual connection with Earth. 
and animals, you know, how I relate to eagles and hawks and osprey and cardinals and blue jays is mind blowing. I mean, they're part of my world, you know, and 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 so I look at the Native Americans as some of our greatest teachers ever. And and if you ever want to really blow your mind wide open, uh, get a book called The Dancing Healers. The Dancing Healers is by an author, Dr. Carl Hammerschlag. If you just remember Dancer Heal Dancing Healers, he was an MD that was reluctantly put on a reservation. He didn't want to work with all these alcoholic Indians and all this other kind of stuff. And he was the one that became the student. He became the student to Native American practices, you know, and there's so much from these cultures that we can learn, Terry, that can alleviate the stress that we're all under right now, like forest bathing from Japan and some of the beautiful practices of spirituality, the dances, the chanting from the Native American culture. I mean, there's so much around that has nothing to do with electronics, nothing to do with phones, iPads, yeah. televisions, for God's sake, you know, and and one more thing I'm going to mention, and I know I have not given you a chance to say a word. Oh, even it's, though it's all your good. I'm like so blown away. So keep going. <laughs> even, even though it's your show. It's <laughs> no, great. I love it. <laughs> you know, but we, we encourage people. And if you have to start slow, start slow. The ultimate goal with everyone that I work with is the first 60 minutes of every day is completely electronic free. So when you wake up and the average person reaches for their iPhone, iPhones are in the other room. And for the person that pulls out their iPad, iPads are locked in the trunk of a car and you don't have the key. <laughs> and when we talk about laptops, nothing electronic goes on for one hour. Now, it's going to take some people starting off with 10 minutes because of their addiction to electronics. The addiction to electronics in this country is out of control. Very few people walk up, wake up in peace. They've got the news on. They've got the weather. They've got the stocks. They've got their text messages, their Twitter BS and all the nonsense. Give your brain a break. Wake up and stare out the window at nature if it's not a nice day, even if nature is just one flower that you planted on your windowsill, for God's sake. No excuses, right? Get a book. It looks like this. This is what books look like, okay? They have paper. They have a cover, right? Get, get a book. Sit quietly. Light a candle. Have your tea, your coffee. If you can only do 10 minutes because you're jonesing and you've got to jump on your text, then the next day do 11 minutes. And the next day, do 12 minutes until you get up to an hour. I, I can tell you this, Terry, not just from my experience, but from all clients I've worked with, when people get into this mindset, they will never leave it for the rest of their life. That first hour of the day becomes so precious. We protect it like a mama freaking grizzly bear. No, I'm not answering this text at eight in the morning or seven in the morning or whatever it might be. Why? Because my phone is off and I don't even know I have a text. <laughs> I I swear I'm like oh my gosh I adore you number one but two I'm, does David have a camera in the house because in the morning I get up well one I wanted to say I write letters to God so I love that you brought that up because and I ask questions and then I get the answers but you have to be open to the possibility yeah. and I tell God all the time angel source whatever you want to call it I need big neon signs so when you send me that sign like make sure it's like wah wah but two, when I get up in the morning, I go in and I immediately get into a bath and I meditate. I do mindfulness. I do brain rewiring. I do positive affirmations. I do all, but it's just my time to kind of 
transition from the sleep world into the waking world and just have this. Uh, my son made a playlist for me, uh, one of my sons, and um, on Spotify. And so this morning I was like, oh, I'm going to turn on his Spotify list. Well, I went back to the 90s because I was like, oh, my gosh, Jake was paying attention to his mom back when he was a kid because it was like from his his memories of the songs, the music I listened to. Oh, so I was beautiful. like, oh, my God, I've got some, you know, no doubt and Gwen Stefani stinging to me. And it was so awesome. So anyway, yes, I say amen to that. And I love it. <laughs> Good, 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 good. Well, you know, in this, and this, we hope, Terry, your practice is already grounded, perfectly beautiful. Um, you know, I, I would ask you if you're open to it, if there's some way you can share that on every show, what you do in the morning. I believe it's the key. You know, like cortisol is 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 a, a stress hormone, and when you open the phone first thing in the morning, cortisol levels are already going up. You know, and we don't need that first thing in the morning. You know, we need to sort of um, walk into the day, waltz into the day before we jitterbug into the day. You know what I'm saying? It's like we, we, we've we got to sort of give ourselves that time to come back from the beautiful rest or the broken rest or whatever kind of rest it is. And we want to create those rituals. So, you know, if you wouldn't mind mentioning your story uh, on your own show more often, um, I believe this is going to be one of the massive keys of how we turn this country around, decrease the stress levels, decrease the marital issues, decrease the addictions by self-care, by waking up in the morning and saying, I am committing the first hour to my higher power, which is really ourself anyway. So, you know, I mean, God is within. Um, yes. To me, God is just pure love. And we are pure love if we can get past the nonsense that we've been taught by well-meaning parents by the, the marketing and the media that tells us we don't have enough, we need something new, we need something more, we have to have those new shoes, even though we have 35,000 pairs in the closet like Imelda Marcos did in the Philippines, if you remember her story. Yes, right? I do. So, yeah, so, you know, like, like take the time to love yourself in the morning. Take the time to serve yourself in the morning. Take the time to wake up with yourself and your higher power in this slow, beautiful, melodic dance that ends up turning into maybe a crazy day, maybe an overwhelming day. But we started out in complete control, peace, a book, music that inspires you, a candle, incense, sitting in nature or looking at it through your window. Or you know what? I'll tell you even this. If you are live in a cell and you don't have access to anything and you say, but David, I, I don't have access to anything. Get a book with gorgeous pictures of nature and just turn to a page and immerse yourself. Imagine you're there, forest brushing in the pine trees, sitting watching the sunrise or the sunset on the beach. Imagine you put your, visualize yourself there as a way to start your day. Terry, we can do so many things to lift our spirits and to improve our lives. And it will take some changes. Start slow if you need to start slow but start. Oh my gosh. There's, there's so much here. I could sit and talk to you for like another eight hours, but I have to say one more thing. When you talked about the forest brushing and you were, you were talking about the, the oxygen in the trees and all of that. I'm not kidding. <laughs> like, did you see my face start to like light up? And I was like, Oh my gosh, don't, don't interrupt. Don't interrupt. Let him finish. But yesterday I live on Hilton Head Island, this beautiful nature filled, the magnificent Island. And yesterday I was, um, out and about we we did some golfing we did we, we had a fun day 
And at one point, so I've been paying more attention to trees lately for whatever reason. It's as if they're just connecting with me, like the energy. And I turned my head and this magnificent oak tree, these live oaks down here are just beautiful. And it caught my breath and I stopped for a minute and I said, thank you for the oxygen. Thank you. Thank you for what you share with us. And I was it's just so full of gratitude. And I literally went up and put my hand on the tree. And so I'm telling you, like, as you spoke, I was like, oh, my gosh, I did that yesterday. You were forest blushing you. I was. <laughs> that is so awesome. And, and you know, and OK, ladies and gentlemen, if you if you didn't pay attention to her shift in energy when Terry was talking about that tree. Like she lit up. She was connected to her higher self. She was connected with something beautiful that probably called you to it, Terry. That tree was probably yeah. saying, I'm here as a healer. Come to me, yeah. touch me. You know, so beautiful. So, so ladies and gentlemen, you know, this is the effect of nature on us, right? And and before I forget, I, I know we have to run here, but, um, you know, I wanted to mention that, you know, please take advantage of these three free books on our website. You know, we want to do everything. And this is one of the ways that we reach 2 million people a day. You know, we give away complete books and, and please take advantage of that. And the other thing that we offer is a free 20 minute session with me on the phone. Um, go to the website, talkdavid.com and send us an email and my team will set up a free 20 minute session. You'd believe how much we can cover in 20 minutes. Whether you work with me or not is not is not the intention. I want to get you on the right path. You know, so if you say, well, what the heck? I don't know what to do here. What 20 minutes I can afford to give away for that. He's giving it for free. Take advantage of it. You know, like you won't believe the little bit of energy we can get motivated and moving some momentum in 20 minutes. So grab the books. Let's chat for 20 minutes and let's help heal this freaking world. Amen. So how do folks find you? Where do they connect with you? Talkdavid.com is the only thing you have to remember. All I do, Terry, is talk. It's a completely appropriate name for my website, talkdavid.com, talkdavid.com. You'll find all kinds of free stuff there. Um, thousands of blogs, uh, free books, free session with me, for gosh sake, it's it's all there. Oh my gosh. Well, again, there is, it's just been such a delight to have you. I, I always ask all my guests, so I'm going to ask you as well, because I don't want you to feel shorted that is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't have an opportunity to talk about? We nailed it, Terry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> when your questions were awesome. You let me rock and roll. I just shared with whatever I was supposed to share. So I know it was a hundred percent right on. All right. I feel the exact same. Well, it's just been a joy and a pleasure. I adore you. I love your work. I love your light. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, Terry, my pleasure. And if I can ever help you again, you know, please, please let me know. And for our audience, when you go to watch the news, go to Terry's podcast. And stuff. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks, David. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And remember, until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Terry Welbrock again. Just wanted to thank you for listening to the episode today and remind you to visit my website as well, terrywellbrock.com. You can sign up for my monthly Hope for Healing newsletter, which is also jam-packed with information and strategies and blog pieces and guest blog pieces and links to shows. 
thanks for again being here and being a part of this healing space. I very much appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye.